Welcome to the latest podcast in the Workplace series from the People Mentor, Nicola Richardson. Hi, welcome to the latest podcast from Nicola at the People Mentor. Today, I'm interviewing Teresa, or Tess as she likes to be known, Sanderson, Dip, I'm going to ask her what all this means, RSA, <laughs> whose business is laughter, yoga therapist and trainer, as well as virtual media goddess, get that. Welcome Tess. Thank you Nicola. So, tell us a bit about your businesses, I only thought you'd got one until I started <laughs> looking, so tell me about both of them. I am concentrating primarily on um, my laughter yoga therapy at the moment and expanding that to include um, all sorts of well-being like mindfulness. Uh, the idea is we use laughter yoga therapy to de-stress people primarily. So laughter yoga works by fooling the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you laugh in reality or whether you fake laughter, you release endorphins and that makes you feel better. Mm. So it is a physical reaction, it's not um, something we've made up, it's actually scientifically proven. Brilliant. Um, added to that, there are breathing exercises, sometimes a little bit of singing, sometimes a bit of dancing, depending <laughs> on the audience. Um, and uh, we finish it with a 20 minute meditation or relaxation time. So I came to that particularly nearly two years ago. I have a rare fat condition called lipedema, which affects initially the lower half of my body. So I was very pear-shaped when I was younger. Um, I now have it in a lot of parts of my body. Mm-hmm. It does not respond to diet or exercise. And because I also had a couple of accidents affecting my back and my shoulder, I can't do weight-bearing exercise. It's been very frustrating for me. Mm. I came across laughter yoga just by chance. I went to one session and the trainer in me was so curious that when the leader of the session said she was training people to become laughter yoga therapists in two weeks' time, I signed up. Wow. (laughs) And it was really just so that I could understand it for myself. But once I'd done it, I realised that this is something that I could do, that I could share with other people and Mm. make them feel better. Aside from that, my other business, Virtual Media Goddess, really was mm-hmm. born again out of a fluke rather than design. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd come to the end of a contract and um, somebody within the Lipedema world needed help in America with Facebook pages and engaging people and talking to people about Lipedema. Mm-hmm. And she thought I would be ideal for it. We'd known each other a couple of years. We'd met here in England a couple of years before, so she knew me. Um, And the only way she could pay me was by me becoming self-employed. Yeah. And as they'd called me their social media goddess in their American flowery way that they loved to use those those names, I decided on virtual media goddess as my company, which is more like uh, looking after Facebook pages, particularly engaging personally with people answering queries um, and I also set up pages for other people and I work for a charity I look after their Facebook pages and website and write things for them. So I can see that on your Facebook page that mm. you are very um, interactive and you engage a lot so yeah. I can see the talent that's there um, and yeah it, it suits you down to the ground yeah. actually doesn't it both of those. Yeah. So brilliant and to think that you just fell into it as a fluke yeah yeah that's the way to do it really isn't it because you then then in a way 
it doesn't become the all all singing, all dancing thing that's got to succeed. Exactly. It was something that I felt quite passionately about. Having lipedema restricts you because in today's society, being fat is just about the worst thing you can be. And yeah. the fact that you have no control of it, people don't care. They see the fat and that's all they see. They don't see the people behind it. It affects up to 1 in 11 women. You will know yeah. someone with the condition. Yeah, they might not know it themselves. Mm. Um, and a lot of ladies like me, I'm late stage and mm. I could be sat at home, which I was two years ago. I was starting to get to the point where I went to work and then I hid away. And mm. that's not good for your mental health no. either. Um, so I could see that there was something there. If I, if I, I feel oh, I don't know, 200 times better than I did two years ago. Mm. My life's changed in lots of ways and I'm still managing to walk, which mm. is amazing. And if I can mm. give that to somebody else, mm. then that's what makes me do it, really. Yeah. That's my passion. Fantastic, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and I've, I've been listening to Tess's stories of the laughter yoga, and I must admit, I'm very tempted to try it because it certainly sounds the right way to make yourself feel happy. And when you think about children and how often they laugh, yeah. and then as adults, we don't laugh anywhere near no, it, do we? Don't. we? And we don't laugh in the same way. We laugh very much from the throat or yeah. the chest. Um, yeah. Laughter yoga, you're very much laughing from the belly, and you will ache after it. It physically changes you. It's wow. not imaginary. I've lost 13 kilos since last July, and I have done nothing wow. different. I haven't changed my diet. All I have done is taken more sessions and run little clubs and gone out and talked to people about laughter yeah. yoga. And that has taken away some of my normal fat, which is only ever going to be a great thing. So yeah. that's good. That's yeah, good. you wouldn't think it would make that much yeah. difference, would you? And my sleep two years ago, I was getting two to three hours a night. Yeah, two to three hours. Now I can sleep about three and a half hours at a time. Mm. And then I go back to sleep for another three and a half hours. So I'm getting seven hours well, that's, sleep. That's such an improvement yeah. isn't so it you, and I, some of the ladies that have been to my club have said the same their sleep is better they feel more motivated they're a bit more confident mm. um, some people that have come to the club have people that have other health problems or problems at home or mm. something really big going on in their life that is absolutely devastating and the laughter club is their time yeah it's their time to be themselves it's their time to relax Mm. and they feel calmer and able to cope afterwards. Mm. I, can, I can understand that one, that yeah. sounds really good. Yeah. So, so that's how you started your business. So for the laughter yoga therapist uh, role, do you need to have a qualification or? Yes, to, yes. To, to, to actually run a laughter yoga club and to go and, and do laughter yoga therapy, you need um, to be certified. That's yeah. a two day, sort of full day weekend. Um, course that you do mm -hmm. you can go on to become a trainer and train other people um, I'm not sure I'm going to go down that route particularly mm. um, I enjoy the actual the, taking of yeah, the, the interaction yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I can I can see that as yeah. well yeah um, so what did you do before you started your businesses um, I started off as a 16 year old as a civil servant yeah um, and that was really customer service, truly. I worked for DVLA, mm -hmm. so I did everything from um, prosecuting people for not paying their car tax, yeah. <laughs> um, to, <laughs> uh, to serving on the counter, um, to inspecting vehicles for mm -hmm. the number plate transfers, the yeah. cherished number plate transfers, did all that kind of thing. 
I became I actually got promoted when I was 21 which is quite young yeah. and then I had a team of 35 so I did that until gosh I think I was there 21 years in all really yeah uh, a couple of years before I left I was asked to step in for somebody to do um, some training because they were off and they didn't want the place to go and it was actually a key trainer which meant that I became responsible for everyone in the building and, and looking at the mm. training skills analysis but from that the local skills enterprise people decided that I had a bit of a talent for it mm -hmm. and paid for me to do my MVQ level 4 in development and training wow. and human resource development yeah. so it was a mixture of development and training and human resources and um, people management yeah. And I was the first person in Bedfordshire to pass that MVQ. Oh, no. What so, an achievement. Well yeah, done. Yeah. But from that, I found that I really enjoyed that and I gained a promotion and moved to the high base agency. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and civil service um, is very much quite similar, isn't it, when you move across from one department yeah. to the other? But there are, it's brilliant because then you can see best practices being shared when people move. Actually, it was quite a culture change. Was it? Yeah, the, the two agencies were in the same department, but the cultures were completely different. Mm. At DVLA, we rarely saw someone higher than our manager, who mm -hmm. I used to stand in for, so I did that grade anyway. We, they just didn't really communicate with us at all. We, were, we didn't see people, we were out on our own. In Highways Agency, I was talking to people at the top mm. within the first couple of days. Mm. So it was completely different. Mm. It was more, more open. There was more um, communication between people. Not always great, because in any organisation, you've mm. always got to sort out issues. Mm. Um, but being on the training side was amazing. It was good for my confidence. I really learned a lot. I spent a year doing HR as well, looking mm. after... Um, all sorts of policies and writing policies so it was a really good education really mm, a good good all round yes yeah. definitely, definitely. Um, and also brought it, you into understanding how people react and yeah. behave yeah. which you can use now yeah there so were lots and lots of changes mm. um, yeah. and, you, and it was it's more um, not only reacting learning how other people react but how you react to yeah. issues as well so I learned a lot, I think, there. Yeah, and I think that's... Great team that, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Very good team. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the key point, isn't it? Because you need to understand yourself yeah. and how you behave yeah. and react yeah. to then manage your team. Yeah. And I don't think necessarily all managers get no. that. No. And they don't get the time out to reflect no, and realise. No, they do Time is a big issue yeah. everywhere. And it's only got worse, I think, in the yeah. last 10 years. And I have to agree with you. I think that that's so right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it does make a huge difference. Um, and certainly, as a manager and a leader, I would always make sure I had time to reflect. Mm -hmm. It might be en end up being on the train going home. Yeah. But you needed to, especially when something didn't go quite right. You yeah. needed to work out what it was, yeah. and learn from it. It wasn't to beat yourself up about it. No. It was to learn. Yeah. So yeah, totally agree. So what actual skill sets? from your previous roles do you think that you have taken into these roles these businesses I, I think it's probably people skills I've met lots of different kinds of people from all over the world mm -hmm. done all sorts of jobs when I was young um, I was brought up on a council estate I, I didn't get the opportunity to go to university or anything although it was something that I'd always wanted to do 
and I, I very much doubted myself because I always felt like I should have some sort of certificate or mm. some sort of qualification. Um, mm. And I think I probably, the way I acted with people when I was younger, I was quite shy and very doubtful of myself. And I think what those roles gave me was the experience and the proof that I needed for myself, that mm -hmm. I was worthy, mm. that I could do things, that just because I didn't go to higher education didn't mean mm. that I'm not intelligent and that I'm not capable. So no. I think that really did help. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, looking back to my start, um, I didn't go to higher education and I learnt so much on the ground. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I shall forever be grateful. I love yeah. to be grateful for all the managers I had and all the different things they taught me, whether yeah. I, whether it was good or bad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it yeah. just it just does. As long yeah. as you absorb it and learn from it, you're yeah. fine. So um, I also noted when I looked at your LinkedIn profile um, that you're you're, and I think you've just mentioned it as well that you you're involved in other activities. Yeah, I um, have worked really with voluntary roles for about the last 10 years, different things. But since I was diagnosed with lipedema, I've worked with various support mm -hmm. groups on lipedema. Um, and for the last two years, I've worked for Lipedema UK, who are a charity, they're the first UK charity for lipedema. And their remit really is about education, not just for patients, mm. but for healthcare professionals because so many still are not aware what lipedema is and ladies are still going to their doctors and being told to go away, they're just fat and lazy yeah. and they're not, you know, mm. they, they have a condition that it's not only um, not great to look at but it's really painful, mm. really painful and if you're not getting that understanding mm. from your GP you're not going to get it from society as a whole. So yeah. that's our role really and we, we look at ways that we can educate people, produce proper booklets. We have healthcare professionals on our board. So we're a bit different from some of the other support groups out there who are more about the patient and more about hand-holding, I suppose. We do yeah. an element of that, but we're more about changing things yeah, for the future. Yeah, educating. Yeah, so I've we worked with the other people as well, but I decided that Lipidemia UK was for me because that's where we need to go yeah. to make a difference. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really good one to be at yeah. um, because if you're not educating people and you're not trying to yeah. change things then it will stand still yeah exactly nothing um, happens and um, and you know well done you because people um, can quite often get so stuck mentally yeah. that they just like you say sit at home and don't go yeah. and try and change things and you've done the opposite and that's fantastic oh, don't get me wrong I was I was like that to start with the first few months I was Ray I found what it is it's not my fault and then I realized that all oh, that wasn't my fault nobody cared yeah <laughs> and that's that brings you slap back down and you hit the bottom and I was probably there for a couple of years to be honest yeah. um, but and then I realised that I couldn't, I didn't want to live like that. I couldn't yeah. live like that. I needed to do something yeah. else. Um, and I think I'm very fortunate to feel like that because there's lots of people that don't. Exactly. Um, it's hard once you've hit rock yeah. bottom to drag yourself yeah. back out. And sometimes it just takes somebody saying one thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Or finding one thing that really yeah. motivates you. So, um, but, it, but it's got to be the right thing for you. Yeah. I think I liken it to... A, um, a bereavement process actually yeah 
yeah. and I think whenever anyone's diagnosed if they talk to me personally I will always say that to them and they're not in the place really to take that on but if they remember that down a little way down yeah. the road or test said I'd feel like it was a bit like a death then mm. it it kind of at least they know it's not just them mm. it's not something that's that's their fault that they feel like that mm. it's just normal yeah and and that makes sense yeah totally doesn't yeah. it yeah um so having gone into business um and um starting with the uh, virtual media goddess etc yeah. what is the biggest thing you learned when you started off that really resonates that you could share with li listeners i think probably um taking more control of time and expectations mm -hmm. and particularly with social media people want everything now yeah and it, you get some really rude messages when you don't answer straight away right um for example only fairly recently i had somebody contact me on a bank holiday monday or i think it was the sunday late sunday night bank holiday monday morning they sent a second why haven't you replied if your organisation has got all these things for replying to people quickly, why haven't you replied to me? I'm going to complain. Goodness. Now, we're a charity. Yeah. <laughs> One of volunteers. Um, and not only that, it, it was a holiday. Yeah. And we have a notice that I put up that comes up. We're a charity. We run mostly on volunteers. And we will promise to get back to you as soon as we can. Yeah. But that person thought eight hours overnight was too long to wait for a response. That's dreadful, really. And that is something that I think we come across a lot yeah. in our lives at the moment. So the one thing I've learned is to try not to take it personally mm -hmm. and to put it to bed. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, yeah. not to um, overthink it. Mm. It's, it is what it is. Mm. And I think that's a really good tip for the listeners yeah. because we can get hung up on things, yeah. can't we? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So that that's a great tip to share, actually. And also, doesn't isn't it a sad indictment of our society oh, yeah. Yeah. that we most of us want things instantaneously? Yeah. Yeah. And it is it is getting more and more like it, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah. So, what would you say was the really biggest challenge of starting business for you? Um, I think. The Probably two things. One was belief in myself, yeah. because despite working on myself for many years, I still have that belief that maybe I'm not quite good enough. Mm. And I think the second thing is, it's, for me, I, I've only moved to Lincolnshire four and a half years ago, so I didn't really know anybody. Mm -hmm. So the networking, mm. I wouldn't say I've had any direct business through networking, but what I've had is advice, I've been on courses, I've made friends. Mm. I've had people put me in touch with other people, mm -hmm. um, so it's it's worth it mm. to me for that. It's helped me, and it helped me actually focus on what I really wanted to do, mm. which is the which is mostly to do the laughter mm. and the the therapy and the workshops, mm. and then I will carry on with some of my virtual media mm. goddess stuff because I do enjoy that. But I get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing people's mm. faces when they've done a couple of sessions of laughter yoga, and it's suddenly, wow, this really does make a mm. difference, and I feel so much better. Mm. And you can't buy that really. No, that you feeling. can't. And that comes across, you know, when I met you the first time, the passion that came mm. out. So you really need to get to know Tess because she's a lovely lady. I have to say this, and I, and the passion that alludes from you is fantastic it's oh, lovely you. to see so you, you if, if you're out and about in, in 
Wapload area or Boston area and comes to the networking and meet her. Yeah. Um, and she's, you learn so much from her as well, so worth it. Um, so, from your past experience and the fact that you did do management and leadership, mm. what really stands out to you as a good leader? Someone who listens mm-hmm. and observes. Mm-hmm. Someone that doesn't react, you know, sort of a mm. knee-jerk reaction. Um, something I learnt quite early on was to go away, write mm. stuff down, then go to bed. I get up the next morning and reread it and think there's no way I can say that or do that. Let's start again. And yeah. it's just taking a step back and thinking about it from all angles, I think. Yeah. But still getting the job done because at the end of the day you're there to get a job done and you must make sure that you mm. meet your requirements as mm. well. And I think, you know, that that's really right. I think as well when um, you have got requirements to meet um, and what I've seen in a few that I've gone to lately is they've not actually communicated what those requirements yeah. are and they've not explained why yeah. and what the purpose yeah. of those requirements are. So everybody's muddling along, not really sure where they're going, yeah. feeling what the lost. Is. Yeah. If, there's, if you've no purpose, it'll never be 100%. No. Anywhere near it. Yeah, and that's when it falls down, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Um, did so you've said you managed in your past roles. Yeah. Have you got any um, stories that you can share? Because obviously there's confidentiality and all of that around uh, have, dealing with a difficult conversation. Um, I've actually had quite a lot <laughs> of my time because I, the teams were they were under a lot of stress. To be fair, they worked very hard. Um, we work to financial and government audit requirements, mm-hmm. which uh, are a law unto themselves and quite mm. unique in some ways. Um, so if at the end of the day your machine didn't balance, balance by 10 pence, you had to stay yeah. and get it balanced, which sounds ludicrous to maybe someone in the public sector, mm. 10 pence, and then your workforce staying, two mm. or three people trying to find it for two hours. Um, Mm. It doesn't make sense, but that is something that had to happen. Um, I have been involved in cases that went to court with staff and and, um, embellishments and all sorts. So Mm. they're things I can't really talk about. But what it did is it made me quite resilient. I I learned how to deal with Mm. it, obviously, because you couldn't talk about it outside work either. Mm. So there's quite a lot of responsibility to take on board Mm. and then not be able to talk to anybody at Mm. all about it. Hard. Very hard, very hard. But then I probably wouldn't be the person that I am now Mm. had I not learnt those things while I was managing. Mm. So It it is about finding a way forward. It is about finding a way forward. And I think with most people that you work with, there is a way to resolve things. Um, It's finding how Mm. you resolve it or finding out why they can't do something Mm. or finding them something they can do and occasionally unfortunately they're just a square peg in a round hole and you have to deal with that too that's right and they've obviously got skill sets that could fit somewhere else um, and it's making them realise that they need to change to a different role as well Um, and I I have this thing because people say I've heard people going quite aggressively yeah and I personally don't think you need to be aggressive when you go in and talk to somebody no. about those really difficult issues. I think you can be extremely kind and compassionate and caring, but you still have to say, give the message yes. that, you need, that you know, and yeah. you need to have thought it through. Yeah. 
Um, so I think grow works really well for me. So mm. goal, reality, yeah. options, and then the will or the way forward. Um, I always like to plan my conversations. That's probably giving away a little secret to anybody who <laughs> has to have a difficult conversation with me. Um, I find that really works because it I, kind of... I think anybody that plans is doing the right thing because, I mean, you can't plan for every eventuality. No. But I think the person on the receiving end will at least know that you've thought about mm. it. You're not just dashing in there making some remark or decision and then making a decision on their future no. based on something you've heard or something you've seen. You've actually thought about it. You've mm. got some questions you need to ask them. You make sure that what mm. you've found out so far is correct. Yeah. And, and find out if there's anything else going on for exactly, that person that you don't know about. Exactly. And this this is the thing. The times I used to have managers who were assuming things, yeah. and when they went in and asked the right questions and people yeah. opened up, you would find there was something usually going on yeah. at home. Almost every time. Yeah. And if you just gave a little bit of space and gave some support, those people turned around in yeah. every occasion. Yeah. And I just think it's worth it because when you look at retention and look at if you lose somebody you've got all that training costs well, and recruitment recruitment's expensive yeah to lose people is is you'd have it would have to be someone that really 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 could mm. not do that that's job right ever. um you have invested in that person already why would you just as you mm. know throw them away it's, yeah. it's pointless uh, and i just think if, it, if you've got to understand whether it's a blip whether they need yeah. some support, whether they've ever really had the training, and I've seen cases yeah. where people no, have had the I training. I've seen that as well. Yeah, I have seen that as well. Yeah, so there you go. And I also think um, I was looking at um, this week, resilience-wise, that sick absence yeah. has decreased from 1993 by half. And the, and so then I asked on LinkedIn, a po you know, wrote a post yeah. about what what are the reasons for it, and um, and there's a lot of different reasons they all add up to make that difference but to me one of the things that clearly stands out is I do see a lot of people still going into work when they're ill yeah. because they're not paid if they don't go yeah. in or they're under disciplinary proceedings yeah. if they don't go in and really do we understand what that knock-on effect is to them long term and do we understand what it does spreading the bug to everybody else I don't I don't think we do really to be honest no. I, I understand why a lot of changes were made. I was probably about the 90s, yeah. sharing my age now. Yeah. Um, there were lots of changes made in the way that, yeah. that um, sick absence, especially from my point of view in the civil service, was dealt with. And I understand why some of those yeah. changes were made. But with, like, with a lot of things, they almost go too far mm. the other way and they forget about the person. Mm. And they forget about the investment that you've already made in that person. That's right. And maybe there should be some thought processes around that, how it could be managed better. Mm. And I have to say, because I can remember my very first civil service job and having a little brown booklet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everybody assumed that they could use it as part of their holiday entitlement, which wasn't yeah. the case, supposed to be the case. And I think it's those sort of things that then tipped yeah. it completely the other yeah. way, which there's a happy medium in yeah. most things. Yeah. 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 So, um, what would be your number one piece of advice to give somebody starting off in business? Business is hard. Working for yourself is hard. You have to be committed. I'm a list person. Everybody knows I've got a ridiculous amount of lists. <laughs> um, but 
you do need to have some sort of idea of where you're going and I don't think it has to be a full blown business plan but you do need to have a purpose if you're yeah. passionate about what you're doing that's great but it's no good if you're going to lose money at it Yeah. so have a good think about it before you do it maybe go part time in your current job so that you can do both for a while mm-hmm. and, and lay sort of the grounding for what you're doing and then you can leave and go into your business without that worry yeah if you've got enough financial backup to to go straight into it that's fabulous Mm. but what i would say is go in with your eyes wide open you will be working long hours Mm. longer than you're used to you might not think Mm. that's true but you do you do at some point you'll get a balance but certainly when you're starting off that's not the case so just be aware that you're going to have to give everything to it so be aware that you're in the right space for it yeah i think that's really good points i think that's really useful i wish somebody had said all that to me when yeah, i me too and <laughs> <laughs> um, so who or what is your inspiration well that's a hard one for me i'm not sure i have a person as an inspiration mm-hmm. i think it's more a feeling mm-hmm just that there are times in my life I've felt very alone there are times where I've not had anything and I mean I don't own anything now apart from an old caravan in Norfolk mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but I've kept going because I feel that there's more that I should be doing mm-hmm. so I think my inspiration really is just I've always been somebody that's I probably give too much sometimes and care too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to be, I suppose I'd like my legacy to be that I'd like made a difference to somebody. Yeah. And I and I think you know that that sounds lovely and yeah, I always feel like that too. So I can't say anything against that because I actually yeah. think that's the way to be. Yeah. And I think it's that kindness and caring that really does come out from you, Tess. So. So on that note, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having That was a quick one today, wasn't it? We seem to have gone flown through it. I think <laughs> I could have spent hours talking to Tess. So thank you for taking thank part you. in the Workplace Series. It's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure, interviewing you. And I'm even more excited to share that uh, Tess is going to do a slot on the 26th of April at my Thriving Not Surviving Masterclass in Boston, Lincolnshire around the laughter yoga so yes another bonus for anybody who wants to come to this uh, masterclass um, so if you're interested why don't you just email me nicola richardson at the peoplementor.co.uk thank you thank you tess thank you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the podcast if you need any help or advice please contact nicola on Nicola Richardson at thepeoplementor.co.uk The People Mentor, driving your business forward.